0: Well, wow. it's so good to have some dads in the house. I'm going to pray for you guys in just a sec. But uh, I, yeah, I'm want to. i sure dads, you could be at home watching the footy or just sitting on the lounge in your food coma. I'm sure you had a big lunch and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but you're here. And uh, that really excites me because I thought, man, I might be the only dad there. Me and Rob DeMartin, maybe, and Pastor Jack. That's what I thought at first. But oh, and Mitch would have been here too, probably. So, but yeah. But, uh, but you guys are here. I also want to acknowledge that there are single mums. We I mean, know I've got said before, single mums who are dads as well. Man, that's a tough gig. So good on you. Uh, if there is any of them here, I, I take some of the prayer. But I'm going to get the men to stand up now. So, um, so I'm going to pray for you. You know, for me, um, I have uh, quite a few jobs that I do. And uh, I wear a lot of hats. Anyone who knows me knows that. But by far, the most challenging hat or job that I have is to be a dad. But it's also the most rewarding. You know, and it's funny, but if if you uh, want the reward, you've got to take the challenge, don't you? And uh, I'm I'm sure that you guys understand that. And uh, so let me pray for you now. Father God, we thank you for these mighty men that are standing before me. Lord, I just ask that today, Lord God, that your presence would be on them in a whole new way. As we honour them, Lord God, we desire that they would feel your honour as well. And Lord God, we desire that they would feel your touch. They would feel your love like never before. And Lord, I just ask that today you would start to stir their hearts. And their hearts would be softer to you than never before, Lord God. As they make decisions for their family and for their children, Lord God, I ask that they'd have wisdom from you. That's beyond their understanding, Lord God. Give them wisdom. And Lord, I desire that today they would hear your voice like never before. Speak to them deep inside, Lord God. Speak to them so clear and crisp, Lord Jesus, today like never before tonight, Lord God. And we just uh, honour you tonight as a heavenly Father and we honour these fathers here tonight. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Cool. You guys can take a seat. I'm going to talk from down here. I just wanted to pray up higher. That was all. So uh, I'm going to take my jacket off because i got a new Father's Day shirt. wanted to keep it hidden for a little bit. You can have a good look. That's, that's me with my four boys. Three of them are here tonight, seven so got their names on there. I'll walk around so you can have a bit of a look. Cool novelty, novelty t-shirt. Yeah. So three of them here, they're hiding right now. And um, I did notice that I'm very white and they're not. But... <laughs> If you know my kids, you know that they all go tanned and I don't. I never tan. I just go red. So, all right. That's awesome. And, uh, uh, yep, thank you, babe. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> she thinks that's funny. Uh, I, I don't really think that's funny. I wish I tanned, but it's all right. Uh, maybe that's a joke from me and God. All right. Um, I, I better get back on track, yeah? All right. You know, um, it's funny, but as an individual... Uh, oh, sorry. Something before I wanted to say that. I know I just prayed for dads and single mums, but I realise that today is not a celebration day for everyone. That for some people this is a really tough day, you know, for whatever reason. Whether that means that you had a really sucky dad and he wasn't there, or he wasn't a, good, a, a dad that's worth praising. I Understand? Um, maybe he got taken from you in an early, early age, like me. Yeah. So sometimes this can be a tough day. It can stir lots of different emotions. Uh, I'm an emotional guy, I'm, I'm probably more than likely going to cry tonight, so that's okay. But I just realised that I want to acknowledge that for you guys, and I, I'm pretty sure that there probably people who found this a hard day, probably didn't come to church Sunday night, but I just wanted to acknowledge that, yeah? I'm going to do my best to be sensitive to that, but I'm just going to talk from my heart a little bit tonight, yeah? So, so I'm going to pray before I do that. Lord Jesus, we love you. We just ask that your words would come out of me tonight, Lord God, not mine. Lord, I just ask that you'd stir this crowd to leave differently tonight, Lord God, in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, as an individual, I would like to think that um, I've, I've even said this, that I'm not perfect. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, only, the only person that was perfect is Jesus, right? And I'm sure that all of us have said that or even thought it when people have said, oh, you should have done this. And you're like, well, I'm not perfect. I've got some issues. I've got some things going on. Jesus, I'm not Jesus, you know. Jesus is the only perfect one. But It's funny how we actually sometimes perceive um, our our earthly father as that he should be perfect. And that's tough. As a dad, that's tough. But our earthly father should be perfect. But he would say the same thing. Hang on, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not Jesus. Yeah? And so, but sometimes what we do is we project the perfection of our heavenly father onto our earthly father. And so we expect him to be perfect. And when he's not... That actually brings hurt into our life. It brings wounding into our life. And so what happens is our heart gets a little bit hard. So then when our heart gets a little bit hard, we don't trust. We don't open ourselves up to our earthly father, but also to our heavenly father. Right? Because we have just projected the wrong thing onto our earthly dad. And what we do, we project that, our earthly dad, onto our heavenly father. And so we don't think he is perfect because our, our earthly father isn't perfect. So we, start, we don't really fully trust God fully. And so the hardness in our heart that's from our earthly dad also projects onto our heavenly father. And we don't really trust him. We don't really open ourselves up to him because we opened ourselves up to our dad and he hurt me. This brings hardness. And so I don't fully open up to God. I kind of open up like this to him. And what it does, it affects my Christian walk. It affects my walk with him because he wants me to trust him completely. And he's perfect, so we can, but we don't because of the hurt, yeah? Yeah. So I'm believing that tonight, that you're going to walk out of this place differently. I'm going to pray at the end that God's going to change your heart and soften it a little bit, okay? And, and maybe not repair the, the relationship with your dad or whatever, I don't know what's happening there, but it actually repair the relationship between you and your heavenly father so you can totally trust him and see change in your life, yeah? And it doesn't mean that this other one's negated and not, not anything. It just means you don't get hurt by it anymore and so there's openness, yeah? Is that cool? That's where I'm hoping we go tonight. You know, um, I've titled my message tonight, Shadow and Shade. They're almost the same word, they almost have the same meaning, but they're a little bit different. And I want to talk about that we can be in the shadow of our earthly father or we can live in the shade of our heavenly father. Sometimes in our life, because of things that have happened to us and with our, our dad or just our family, we can have this shadow on our life. And then, and on, we, and then with our, our heavenly father, we can get shade from him. Shade sometimes, usually is a positive thing, yeah? I'm going to get out of the sun. I'm going to get in the shade for a little bit. I'm going to rest. Aren't these things that we would hear from God? I'm going to read a verse in a second. But there's lots of verses talking about the shade of God for us. And usually when we talk about shadows, that's kind of usually a negative connotation. I'm in the shadows here, or there's a shadow on me, yeah? And, and so usually, that, and so I'm going with those sort of lines. that They're almost the same word. They're almost the same thing, similar to... Our earthly dad and our heavenly father. There's commonality there but difference, yeah? And so a shadow on our life from our earthly father could be maybe our dad was totally untrustworthy and he was a hopeless guy. And so people can sometimes, when we're talking about projecting those other things, they can project that onto us. And so people see us but they see him. That's unfair, isn't it? It's unfair on everyone. Just like it's unfair to project God onto our dad and the opposite way around there's unfairness here yeah and so we can start to have that projected onto our own lives maybe he's got addictions or he had addictions people start thinking that way too but sometimes even if my dad's successful in life I can start to feel the pressure of the shadow of that in my life too and I start playing out that way and maybe I don't get as successful as him or whatever maybe he was great at sports and I'm striving to be as good as he was Shadow on our life. I hope that God's talking to you about some of the shadows in your life because I just gave a couple of examples. But there's shadows in our life from what other people would perceive on us. You know, um, yeah. We're going to watch a video, and I'm going to set it up a little bit. It's uh, from the Rocky Balboa movie. I I fully understand that Rocky Balboa is fictional, all right? So just, it's all good. But he has a conversation with his son and uh, obviously, his son's fictional as well because it's a movie, and, uh, but he's gonna go back into the ring as an old man, and, he's, and his son doesn't want this to happen because he thinks it's gonna reflect badly on him. And I'm just gonna, we're gonna watch the video. You,
1: you know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now, with all this going on, this is gonna be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. What, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself. And this happens. Now, I'm asking you as a favor not to go through with this, okay? This is only going to end up bad for you, and it's going to end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that that people are making you out to be a joke and that I'm going to be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't going to believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew but you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life but until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother.
0: I just thought he said it, good, that's what I was trying to say, yeah, <laughs> no, I just thought it illustrated in a different way, it's a bit real life there, but I think, yeah, we can actually have this shadow on our life, um, and, and sometimes we don't know how to get it off, but I want to tell you, God has the power to come and help you with that, yeah, and he's going to do that tonight, you know, um, I said before that Jesus was uh, perfect, and yes, he lived a perfect life, but you know what, his life wasn't necessarily perfect, his family wasn't perfect. He had some things happen in his world that weren't perfect, but he lived a perfect life, sinless, yeah? And so I'm going to look at a passage. It's in Mark 6, uh, and I'm going to go to verse 1. And, um, yeah, I, I, I like this because it actually illustrates that point quite well. So I'm going to read from verse 1. And it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown, The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Wow. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his his own family, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Well, you know, this, this story, um, it, it, it's actually in Matthew 13 as well, and it's also in, in Luke 4. And in Matthew 13, i just like to just illustrate a little so, slight bit. It says, Then they scoffed, He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All of his sisters live here among us. Where did he learn all these things? I just thought it was interesting. He's just a carpenter's son. It's almost like insulting him. But really what it was, is, oh, he's just a guy who works with his hands. How's he going to know about God's stuff and whatever? And so it's this shadow of his, his life. that he, he sta- and, you know, and this is the thing. This hurt there. Well, for, for all of us, similar hurts. We don't know where his dad is, right? Joseph isn't there anymore. Last time we heard about him, Jesus is 12. So we don't know when he died. Obviously, he was around long enough that he taught him carpentry or how to be a builder is a better translation of it. He was a builder of stuff. And, uh, and so, so much so, so this is just a, a side thought, you know, Jesus hangs out with all these guys, the disciples, and, uh, and Peter, who's a fisherman, in later years, starts talking about cornerstones and building stuff. How do you know how about building stuff? Because you hang out with a builder, who will tell him all well, these building stuff. We walk along, just like any other. You know, my kids hate it all the time, but and, and you see those ads sometimes about every every tradie dad goes, oh yeah, I worked on that building, yeah, I have worked there. My kids hate it because I drive there and go, oh yeah, I worked at that house, oh yeah, no, I did this here, whatever. And G- Jesus would be doing that with his disciples, wouldn't he? Hey, see this, mate. Let me tell you a little bit story about that. This is how they all started this building or whatever. That's a side issue. But a sort, we don't know. That's another talk in itself, yeah? But um, we see here that he goes to his hometown. Uh, people poke fun at him because he's the carpenter's son. Probably his dad died and he became the, the, the sole uh, provider for his family. Got all these brothers and sisters. do not say how many sisters he has. I mean, I don't know how old they were when his dad died. But he would have had the pressure of that too. He would have had to work through that in the natural, yeah? But even when they mention his mum, isn't he Mary's son? Mary, you know her? Like 30 years ago, she kind of got pregnant. She wasn't married. And they weren't even married yet. There was something weird there, right? Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was just something a little bit dodgy. So now stuff from his family is now shadowing onto his life. Yeah? So Jesus experienced this too, right? that people would project onto him what their thoughts were. Because this is what's happening in the mind, yeah? And so they do that. They start poking fun at his brothers. I don't know how crazy they were, but maybe they were the crazy kids in town. They go, oh, that's the the family. has got no dad. And the older brother's looking after him. I don't know. But they mention all these people there in his family, like it's almost like poking poking fingers at at him. And what it says is, because of that, he couldn't do any miracles there. Wow. God couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Because of this shadow on his life, from his family. Does that sound crazy to you? It sounds crazy to me. And I love it how they were amazed at, at what he could do and what he could say. He was amazed at their unbelief. That's crazy. That when we start having a hard heart because of those things, then God can't do stuff in our life. He can't do stuff in the people around us life. This is why we've got to actually allow God to come and bring healing there. If we keep reading Mark 6, I'm going to go right to the end of Mark 6, because of course of time, I think there's a whole, I could preach a couple of sermons on Mark 6 actually, but what happens straight after that, I'm just going to paraphrase, it. it's not going to come up yet, Oh, well it's come up with a bit I want to read, but I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit. Straight after that, he sends out his disciples, two by two, to start talking about repenting and coming back to God. Right? He sends them out, He's you're thinking, that's a bit hard. He sends them out with nothing. They said, no, don't take extra sandals, don't take an extra shirt, don't take any money with you, don't take any bread. Out you go. It doesn't say how long they're out for, but I'm guessing it's not for a night. They're out for a while, right? I just wonder what he's doing while they're away. It doesn't actually tell you, but I'm guessing he's spending time with his dad, his heavenly father, Yeah. We do see that in, in the bit I'm going to read in a second he does. But I'm just guessing. If they're gone for a while, that's probably what he's doing. Just talking to his dad, saying, am I doing a good job? All those sort of things. All those things that you, you, he's just been told by the, the people that should be supporting him the most. Hey, you're not doing a good enough job because of what's happened in your life. And here he is. And then they come back. There's a huge crowd, more than 5,000 people. And then they're there till evening. And he says, uh, they say, oh, send these people away. So they can go get food. And he goes, you feed them. Wow, that sounds tough again. But that's all right. And they go, well, we, couldn't, it's, we, can't, we don't have the money to, to feed these people. And he says, what do you have? And that's when he does the miracle of the three loaves and the two fish. Yeah? And then we go to this bit here. Jesus walks on water. Verse 45. At once Jesus made his disciples to get into the boat and go ahead into Bethsaida on the other side of the lake while he sent the crowd away. After saying goodbye to the people, he went away up a hill to pray. He goes away sitting in the shade with his dad. Beautiful. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake while Jesus was alone on the land. He saw the disciples were straining at the oars because they were rowing against the wind. So sometime between three and six o'clock in the morning, he came to them walking on the water. He was going to pass them by, but they saw him walking on the water. It's a ghost. They thought and screamed. They were all terrified when they saw him. Jesus spoke to them at once. Courage, he said. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. The disciples were completely amazed. That's that word again, amazed. Because they had not understood the real meaning of the feeding of the 5,000. Their minds could not grasp it. Okay. it's a lot in this. But I love, at the start, he sends the disciples away while he says goodbye to the crowd. I just love that. I love how... Jesus loves the crowd, right? Before this, he said he wanted to have a rest, and he was trying to take his disciples away, and then realized that the crowd was like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, we're like sheep without a shepherd, so he stays and talks to them longer. That's how much he loves the crowd, right? Compassion—that's what he's about. He's trying to teach his disciples a bit of that too. But he sends them away. He says goodbye to the crowd, and he sees them out on the water. He goes and spends some time with his dad. And I'm going to give you a couple of verses that talk about the shade of God, and I meant to do them at the start. It says. Psalms 121, verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade and at your right hand. Beautiful. And the other one is Isaiah 4, 5 and 6. It says, God's glory will cover and protect the whole city. His glory will shade the city from the heat of the day and make it a place of safety, sheltered from the rain and the storm. I just love it. And I just think that that's... God's heart, that we would spend quality time with him and, and sit in the shade of him, not worry about the shadow of, of our past or our life or whatever, our family. He doesn't want us to think about that stuff. It's It's been done. We're going to move forward. Yeah, we're going to move forward with him, letting us sit in his shade before there's more work to do. And But what I love in this passage, there's good fathering here by Jesus. And I, I take a bit of that on board because I think, I know that he wasn't, uh, earthly father, but he fathers these men, and I love it. So he says that he's up on the hill and he's praying, and when evening came, right, the boat is still in the middle of the lake. So he sent them out before it was dark. He's been up there for a while, and now it's dark, and you can see they're in the middle of the lake, struggling at the oars, right? Now we think if he's a hover dad, he's going to quickly be out there because they're struggling at the oars, and they're rowing against the wind. You know, um, I remember there was a time... Uh, I have a mate, and he decided that we were going to, he wanted to raise some money for this charity. And he said, um, I'm going to, let's do, uh, let's row some canoes from Palm Beach to Penrith, right? We did it. And, uh, and so, but he did it in stages. And I remember I didn't go on all the stages, so I can't say I did the whole thing. I was there at the start, it was very crazy. But, but in the middle, we're going through uh, near Sackville, right? And the tide is really strong there, the current is really strong. It goes in and out, yeah? And we're rowing for about an hour and we went about 100 metres. It was killer because it's taking us out and we're trying to power up thinking that we're tough guys and eventually we just gave up. And we actually just pulled to the side and got out and that's when we, instead of having our lunch further down, we just had our lunch there for ages and waited for the tide to change so we could get back in and then we actually had a bit of a push along for a little bit as well after it changed. But it, it's tough going. When the wind and the, and the tide is pushing you the opposite way but that's how we feel in life sometimes, isn't it? I don't know, maybe it's just me. But sometimes we're struggling at the oars. And we think, why is God not saving me? Or maybe God can't see. Or maybe my prayers aren't loud enough. Or maybe I didn't get Pastor Rob to pray for me. I better, you know, get someone... I don't oh, no, I'm just... Cool, we're good? Yeah, okay. And uh, But I didn't get a certain person to pray or I didn't say the right words. But God sees. God knows. Yeah? And he's watching from up on the hill. And He's. they'll be right which is one of my sort of dad terms too. that will be all that right. They'll be okay. They're going to be all right. And so he sees them. He saw all these disciples were straining at the oars because they were rowing against the wind. So sometime between three and six o'clock in the morning, yeah. hours later, a lot of hours later, he comes walking to them, walking on the water. All right. This is an interesting point here though. He was going to pass them by. He wasn't even coming to them. I've done that thing too, you know, when your kids are doing something a little bit dangerous, or you think, are they struggling? I don't know. And you kind of just do the walk past. Just gonna, they'll, cr- they'll cry out if they're really struggling. You know what I mean? And you get, nah, they're all right. I'll just keep walking. They can just go where I told them to go. You're know, right? And they know what they're doing. They've been on water before. So, and it's a, I, I just love that concept. But it's not until they actually call out, ah, hey, there's a ghost. He goes, no, nah, it's not, it's just me, just your dad. It's all good. Um, no, it's just me. And, uh, and they go, oh. And obviously in Matthew, when you read this story, that's when Peter gets out of the boat too and walks on water. Interesting in fact, again, is that Matthew was, Matthew wrote Matthew, but in, uh, in Mark, Peter's one of the guys that's actually dictating what happened here. And they leave that bit out. I just found that interesting. Yeah. Uh, they didn't actually say, oh, hey, put the bit in where I walked on water. Or put the bit on that I didn't, I didn't fully walk on water or whatever. Whether he was embarrassed by it, I don't know. Whether he just wanted to, oh, don't, don't mention that. Or maybe he didn't want to big note himself. I don't know. I just found that interesting. That Peter's one of the ones who's actually helping write this book. And he doesn't add the bit in. But that's cool. And I love how Jesus gets in the boat. He's going to pass them by. He doesn't. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, they're all terrified, yes, when they saw him. And uh, he gets in the boat and the wind dies down. But the disciples were completely amazed. So we start the story here with uh, the people were amazed at Jesus and what he could do and what he was saying. Jesus was amazed that they didn't have any belief in him and couldn't come to that mindset, get over his shadow and just trust in him. Yeah, because that's what happens when you have a hard heart. But I love how the disciples were completely amazed in him too. And then he says, to them, because they did not understand the real meaning of the feeding of the 5,000 Their minds could not grasp it. I talked to her before about having a hard heart, but sometimes because our mind can't grasp things, it turns into a hard heart. And one of the other um, uh, translations I read, it said, because of their hard heart. I just found that funny. But sometimes our mindset hardens our heart. We need God to come and soften our heart. But really what what it's saying, I tried to look it up a little bit, not too many commentaries on it. But what it really means is, he was trying to teach them just to trust in God. Because when you trust in God, everything changes. When you can fully trust in God, He can really do amazing things in your life. It's really quiet. Are you good with that? Yeah? When we completely trust Him and allow our heart to be soft to Him, amazing things happen. The battle, we know this, the battle is in our mind, yeah? The devil wants our mind and, he thought, and our thoughts. He wants to remind us of our past, He wants to remind us of what's happened in our family. But God wants us to go, forget about that. Let's move forward, mate. Everything's different in me. And that's the thing with the loaves and the fishes. It was all about trusting in God. Yeah, yes, you're going to be able to afford to pay for this. Forget about that. Let's trust, trust God. It's all going to work out. And miraculously, he makes that bread and the fish there. But even before that, sending him out with nothing for whatever amount of time. I don't know what it is. Enough time that they can actually they had to eat. They had to find somewhere to live. All that sort of stuff. Trusting in God. This should be softening our heart. It should be changing our mindsets. And I want to pray for you tonight as I close that that would happen tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you're a God that changes lives. You're a God that changes minds and mindsets, Lord God. And where we've believed wrong things, lies of the enemy, Lord God, or maybe lies of people in our life, Lord God, I just ask right now that your truth would come right now. That you would come and, and share your truth that uh, they can trust in you completely. That you're not going to hurt people. That you love them unconditionally. And Lord, we just ask that tonight you would help people offer their fathers, their earthly fathers, forgiveness and grace. Forgiveness and grace just like you've offered us, Lord God. That, that, that even that relationship could be mended and healed, Lord God. Even the hurts from maybe a dad that's been missing or gone, Lord God, we just ask that your, your presence would come and bring healing to that wound. You would clean out that wound tonight, Lord God, put what stitches you need to put in there and, and put whatever disinfectant you need to put in there, Lord God, but you would heal it, Lord, with your touch because we know that one touch from you can change things, Lord Jesus. And we just ask that hearts would be soft towards you, hearts would be open to you, Lord God. Let us have relationships with you that fully arms open, Lord God, Nothing guarded, nothing holding us back, Lord God, but completely open to you as you come and reveal yourself to us. Lord, let us trust in you like never before. Change things, Lord God. We honour you tonight, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.